on Raven's Walk. It is bumping, it is crowded. Man, oh man. It looks like a toothpick on his arm. Helodinato with the shield, everybody. What a man, legend. Welcome back to Raven's Recap. We had another win. I don't know, it wasn't a big, huge, outstanding win, but it was a solid win nonetheless. Preseason's over. <laughs> Preseason's yeah. over. Yeah, I think it still counts as a as a one in uh in the W column. That's absolutely true. We've got listener K Fish here. We were there at the game together with listener Nick as well. Making sure to yell, being that twelfth man. It's a fun time. Well, I'm getting tons and tons of sunburn. <laughs> oh man. We were sweating. I was soaked through my shorts. It was it was gnarly up there. So hot. People were retreating to the uh concourse area to get in the yeah. shade. I, I did notice that the seats were pretty sparse during the second half uh, kickoff. <laughs> oh yeah, the, like everybody, everybody was not moving. It was it was terrible trying to get through to get back to my seat. Yeah, Nick and I went back a little early to avoid that problem, but it was uh, very clear there was a traffic jam going on. What well, wasn't a traffic jam was getting into the stadium. It seems like it's a lot better. They had the hand scanners out, not just using those kiosks, so that helped. They're listening to us. I think also like some people use the preseason to get used to it. And uh, they knew what to do this time when they got stepped up to the scanner. Yeah, it definitely helped. Well, we've been gushing about the offense here on Ravens recap. So we want to start off talking about the defense overall. I mean, you know, it was a win and our defense is ranked second in the NFL, but ah, it was hard watching all those underneath passes just tearing us apart, particularly with Carr and Everett. Yeah, and, you know, part of me wonders about this game yesterday if the Ravens were just looking past Arizona towards next week's game against the Chiefs because it was a sloppy game overall, much more on the defensive side of the ball than the offense. But the offense had a couple of sloppy plays as well. It was one point, either it was, I think, late in in the first half where within like three plays, twice the Ravens were called for 12 men on the field. Like... Yeah, the, the field that goal attempt too. Like I, the field I, goal attempt, right? Yeah, I don't know how you mess that up. Like I assume you have eleven people that just know this is your job, but like Judon thought he was part of that, and 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 that's Judon. Like he's a he's a team leader. It's not like it was uh it was Everett who was out there. It's someone who definitely should have known the play. But yeah, there were a couple plays yesterday where. Gosh, guys, like I can, I'm thinking of in the first half, Cyrus Jones uh, gave up a pass where he was didn't even have time to look back at the football at all while he was in coverage. I think Everett had a similar play. Brandon Carr gave up a long completion to Fitzgerald to put the Cardinals in the red zone. Not the most safe performance that would make you feel good and cozy coming into a a game against Pat Mahomes, even without Tyree Kill. But, you know, this is still a good defense, but they got to shore things up. So that big play to Fitzgerald you're talking about came after two other, like, you know, pretty successful plays, et cetera, and it really hurt. But I did watch kind of the film that led to that, and I have to just say that was probably really good execution by the Arizona offense because they ran up to the line to execute that deep ball, and the defense was still trying to get settled when the ball was snapped. So it was definitely a communication and like setup problem, which obviously we need to improve upon. But I think 
we have to give credit where credit's due and say that was actually just the air raid uh, being very effective. I mean, I, I get the point you're making, but if you're saying that they went fast, like that's kind of scary because Mahomes is a a Ferrari. So if if that's all <laughs> it takes to beat our defense is to speed it up a little bit, that that's concerning for me. Yeah, and you've got a you've got a rookie quarterback running that offense too. So like like Kfish said, you're going up against a much better offense next week. Yeah, I'm to be honest, and speaking back to the Fitzgerald catch, one of those ca- long catches that he had was on TJ and I'm I'm I think that's the the hole they're going to exploit the most and it's going to be with Kelsey. It's not going to be these uh you know, Watkins will get his, those those secondary receivers will you know, they'll make catches, but I think they're going to gash us with Kelsey and whenever we stick uh TJ on him. I will say that the pass rush actually it improved as the game went on. So I think they recognized the outside rush is not as effective against a running quarterback. So they started putting it the pressure towards the middle and then trying to just basically like set the edge, so to speak, where he couldn't really escape to the outside, making the inside rush pretty effective. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. One of the guys who, who actually did have a really good game yesterday was, was Pat Ricard coming in from the middle, like you just said. Dude, Pat Ricard... He's like my new favorite, you know? Like, I love Lamar, but I think on the defensive side of the ball, he might be my favorite. Maybe uh, give it to Humphreys just by an edge, but he's awesome, man. He's so cool. <laughs> he plays both sides of the ball. I love it. I don't know. Have you, like, uh, I don't know how many snap count or how many snaps it was this week, but it didn't seem like he played much on the offensive side. No. He had uh, he had his one catch. I, I mean, I'm sure he was in there for a handful uh, of downs for blocking. It seems like he's kind of last year. It was I, I feel like we saw him more on on the offense, and now this year it seems like we're seeing him more on the defense. So I'm looking at this one site, lineups.com. It looks like it says that Pat Ricard was lined up at fullback for 25 snaps on offense, which was 32 percent of the plays run on Sunday. Oh, wow. That was a uh, man that I missed it. Cause that, that seems a lot higher than I thought it was. I'll put, I'll put the link under, under random links in the notes here. So we had nine QB hits and three sacks, which is pretty solid. If you ask me, definitely felt like the pressure was getting to him. Definitely want to mention the other uh, defensive player, the 12th man, honestly, like we were bringing it. It got loud in that stadium. It was 99% attended. It was fun to be there and got some uh, kind of delay of games or timeouts had to be called, and that felt good. <laughs> the the crowd was no no uh, louder on the day on the uh, two uh, terrible calls on the PI and the um, the grounding call. After back to back horrible calls about Hollywood Brown, we're waiting for the review. Of the PI, the first one I've seen. I'm not too optimistic. I think this one's gonna stand. I don't. I don't trust the refs here. We don't trust the refs. What are we hearing? We're either gonna get a cheer or a boo. I was. I was sure that had to come through. On uh, the TV. yeah, it did. What also came through was the crowd's <laughs> noise on the second. Twelve men on the field. <laughs> it didn't sound like the fans were too happy about that either. Those calls were bad. They're gonna happen. What was good though was that the Ravens didn't let it affect them. <laughs> Did you see though that the NFL released a statement about the ones those in the calls? in the Ravens game specifically? Yeah, like the PI specifically okay. with Hollywood. So apparently, 
contact <laughs> is not enough. <laughs> which is going to be a lot because it is enough. Well, yeah, you also enough. also have to change direction, right? I don't know, man. He was on his back. Like <laughs> what they said was, it has to clearly make it such that you could not make the catch. So it's not. Did you actually do pass interference? It was it like so incredibly egregious that like there's no way humanly possible you could have uh, made the catch. I'm like, oh, uh, what? I always thought <laughs> that was the rule, though. To me, it almost seems like the rule was put in for one thing and one thing only to make sure what happened in the Saints game do- doesn't happen again. But like the rest of it, we're just gonna kind of let go. I think you're right, K Fish. I think it's like if it's in a non like a quote-unquote non-consequential down, and it's not just like, you know, NFL blitz style for an onslaught, it's going to be, it'll stand. I mean, if if that's going to be the case, like, don't waste your challenge. Yeah. I don't know, I'm kind of disappointed by that, because I was hoping, I think it's obvious P.I. I mean, he was riding him like a pony, you know? Not a full ho- horse, because it's, it's Hollywood, <laughs> <laughs> but like a pony. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, you can't come at Hollywood like that. I'm just acknowledging the fact that he's a tinier guy. He's a very fast pony. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I also kind of want... I know we were talking about this K-Fish before the, the recording, and it's probably not feasible with the cap space, etc. But, man, it'd be nice to have Ramsey on the Ravens side of the ball because after losing Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith... I feel like that's partially why our secondaries look a little bit more suspect. It's hard to lose two guys of that caliber. So uh, after texting you about, you know, the Jalen Ramsey news, which, you know, if nobody knows is he's requesting a trade, I started looking at our cap and it's not that bad. We got, I th- I was looking at, I think it was said 68 mil mil next year, which, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to pay him for this year. Something crazy. He's made, I, I don't know how much he's making this year, but it's, it's not... It's not anything crazy, but you have 68 mil next year and, you know, 60 something the year after that, you're going to have to spend money on, on Marlin. That's, that should be a done deal. But then I was also looking at your top cornerbacks and what they get paid. Average salary, the highest is Josh Norman, which back when he signed that, he looked great. And now he's Man, on a terrible That feels team. like forever ago. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, fifth. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's going to ask for more than fifteen. But I mean, if you're ta- talking about we have sixty, sixty plus, I mean, maybe it is doable between him. I mean, if we're looking for affordable, the the Minka Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins. That's that's affordable, and you're going to get a good player. Yeah, he's still on his rookie contract, and he's a first round pick, so you get that fifth year like cheapo year. Not going to lie, I'd be kind of okay with the Ravens doubling down on securing some talent for this year and, you know, the next couple of years because as we're going to talk about later about the offense and its young nucleus, like overall, this is a pretty young team. And you got to, while you have Lamar on his rookie contract, you got to build this like onslaught essentially against uh, the opposing teams in the AFC and NFL in general. I mean, Shoot, with Lamar looking the way he's looking, you got to give him every single chance to win on both sides of the ball because it could be a lot of uh, trophies in the future, honestly. Like, it's looking really promising. 
Well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but I do agree with what you're saying. You you know, the Windows is a lot smaller than it seems with when you have quarterbacks that are this young. Because like you said, you're going to have to pay them once the rookie deals up. And then we saw how that worked with, well, the Ravens just got out of that with Flacco. And it's not just the Ravens who that happened to. I mean, Seattle has gone downhill since they had to pay Wilson. Uh, the Packers really haven't been making it deep into the playoffs with Rodgers' contract. Then there's teams that, why in the world did you pay Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan that money? You already had holes on the roster to begin with. Yeah, the window is a lot smaller relative to the quarterback's age than you would think. So I say if you can make the trade, go for it. Yeah, I mean, and like uh, of all the quarterbacks you named that, you know, their team went down a little bit. To me, Russell Wilson's the the most successful of that bunch where the but like that came with him elevating even higher. So you're you're now talking if if we do sign, you know, Lamar and to a second contract, he would have to take it to the next level to fill kind of fill those holes that get left open and I, I'm a Lamar truther, you know, just as much as the next guy, but like I'm not I don't think he's throwing for 500 yards a game and and <laughs> and running for another 100. It's just not happening. That's the hard part, man. Like part of me thinks maybe the strategy in the NFL is never to pay the quarterback because even though they're so important and like you never want to get rid of Lamar from a fan perspective or anything, it's it's like <laughs> you kind of have a best your best bet is to find like a, a rookie stud <laughs> and then like try to capitalize on those years. Yeah, the word in the off season was the Rams were contemplating that, and then it, it, what <laughs> like two or three weeks ago they paid Jared Goff like thirty five yeah, million a year. So like he he. McVeigh is an offensive guru, like right. There's no arguments from anybody on that, and he thinks he needs a quarterback, like a good quarterback. Well, that's because Blake Bortles is the backup. That that <laughs> that strategy sounds great until they found out the replacement was Blake Bortles. <laughs> Can I just also say that, like, we started out this podcast talking, you know, poking more holes in the defense than we've talked about what they did well in the first two weeks. And yet, the defense is ranked number two in the league right now. What does that say about the current state of defense in the NFL? It means that if you play Miami, you look good. You're not wrong about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the Cardinals' offense is underrated. So, you know, I'll give them credit because there were several times they got to the red zone and we held to a field goal. I'm I'm pro on that. That's, That's great. I mean, we're always about bend, don't break. So... You know, the defense is still doing that, but I guess we always, you know, as Ravens fans, hold the defense to the highest standard. We want the number one defense. We want the most t- takeaways. We want the most sacks. We want it all. We're we're spoiled. That's that's really what it is. Well, aside of the ball, we've never been particularly spoiled by, but it looks like we might have an embarrassment of riches on the next couple of years is the offense. Man, the people behind us were losing their mind about Hollywood on that first drive. He looked like a number one. The guy's his second NFL game, and he's looking like his uh, his cousin, you know, in his prime. I mean, it, it's awesome. Hollywood! He was lined up. They weren't even covering him, and he was wide open on the cross. Awesome throw. I can't believe them. Disrespect to Hollywood. The kid's unstoppable. Yo, I was just looking at my fans.
fancy stats, and I was like, 11 points for Hollywood, that ain't bad. And then he just gets a 35-yard bomb down the sideline. A beautiful catch, great tracking under the ball. I've been in the dagger that ends this game. Yeah, he did look really good yesterday. This might be jumping ahead of in our analysis, but I was really impressed that, that the coaching staff had so much confidence in this guy that is only playing in his second NFL game and isn't 100% for them to go have Lamar make a throw that, by the way, last year he wouldn't have made with less than three minutes to go in the game to basically seal the thing. And they made that play look routine. I thought it was funny. If you guys remember back to 2011, the home game against Arizona, I think Joe Flacco had a similar pass to Anquan Bolden that set up a, a game-winning field goal. So it's funny that kind of that play kind of mirrored from eight years ago. But I mean, Hollywood Brown, he's not 100% yet. He has good chemistry with Lamar, which is really good. One thing that does concern me, though, about these first two games is, you know, the Ravens are going a ton to Brown. They're going a ton to Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews is performing great. Uh, apparently, I saw he's only, he's been targeted 17 times, 16 catches. Uh, that's a great ratio. But are the Ravens relying too much on these guys right now? Because they hardly threw to anyone else yesterday besides those two. And eventually, that's going to get taken away. So they did. There weren't a lot of completions for all the other guys, but everybody was involved. Everybody was an option. You know, Boyle had a catch. Hurst, I didn't realize Hurst, his only catch was that touchdown one yarder. But, uh, you know, Snead had a catch. You know, there's only going to be so many completed balls. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm happy. I'm happy that, you know, we, we finally do had two. We did have two people that uh, had eight catches apiece. So, uh, I don't know. My, my point is, you know, I'm not I'm not concerned. I guess I'm also not concerned because I think the reason they got those guys had so many catches is because the defense couldn't do anything about them. They were undeniable. And it was a comment I made to... Kfish at the game is that I honestly think if from what I've seen of Hayden Hurst, if Mark Andrews wasn't in the way, <laughs> like I think he would be also producing at a very high level because he looks pretty good out there. He's running good routes, but like as uh, Lamar talked about, Mark Andrews and him have such a good chemistry. They play street ball, etc. Like he trusts him and he just goes to him all the time. Yeah, no, I mean I do totally agree with that. It is funny though the production that Andrews is having right now. And and Hurst, if we if it was flipped and Hurst was having that production and Andrews was doing what Hurst has done so far, I think we'd have zero concerns about that draft. But just because of where those two guys were drafted, despite the fact that Andrews is overperforming and Hurst is underperforming, you want a little more out of that group. But yeah, I mean Andrews, he looks like a Pro Bowler right now. Brown looks like a star in the making, like you guys are saying. So I'm confident about those two guys being the go-to guys going forward, it's just such a small sample size through two games. You're just not, it's just stuff in the back of your mind where you're just like, yeah, well, they really haven't played the top defenses yet. Is that going to be enough to just rely on these two guys and then just sprinkle the ball around the other guys going forward? So here's the thing. I think the coolest part about what's going on right now with these two guys is that you see their impact even when they're not targeted. For instance, on the one Andrews play, right in the beginning of the game, 
the defense was collapsing down on Hollywood coming across the middle of the field, and that's what made Andrews open. But it didn't have to be Andrews, right? Similarly, Andrews and Hollywood are going to be, you know, kind of decoys in a way as well. I mean, they're going to get open, they're going to get their touches, but the more you focus on those guys, the more open everyone else is going to get. And I think we have capable receivers. I mean, Sneed's a, a veteran who knows how to get open. Boykins has potential as well. Chris Moore, Hayden Hurst, Ricard. <laughs> I mean, we got we got guys uh, that will punish you if you uh, if you focus too much on those other two guys. And again, Hollywood, they do that pump fake, three straight plays. It looks like it might go to him. And then they just rip it right down the sideline to Mark Andrews. And it's those kind of plays where, honestly, if you have two playmakers like that, it kind of reminds me of the Kelsey Tyree Kill situation. Everyone's going to prosper because it's really hard to take away more than two guys at a given a given play. Yeah, I think the the huge thing with with that the Andrews touchdown and and some other plays during the game is you see a lot more different pl- play sets. When was the last time we had a wide receiver that was, you know, scary to the defense that it attracted, you know, multiple defenders? Nobody was uh I mean, I guess Steve Smith was that the last one? Like nobody was worried that Brashard Perryman was running a crossing route. Like there was another play, the Ingram catch that was I think late in the fourth quarter was almost, you know, similar to that Andrews play where you ran Hollywood across and the linebacker had to make a decision and he made the wrong one. And and then it was Ingram just had one guy he had to beat to get uh, to catch the ball. You know, those two guys being as good as they are and and our play calling has just been different this year. Like, I don't know how to quantify it or or, you know, ex- or explain it. It's just it's been so different than the offenses that the Ravens are used the Ravens fans are used to the play calling has definitely changed a lot from a running perspective I was watching a lot of film I'll put a lot of these tweets in the show notes because one of the guys on Twitter I follow was following the Ravens game very closely and he was commenting that all these design runs that we had for Lamar were basically created in such a way that he was going to take very little impact and be able to just use his speed to get to the outside edge and get yardage. And 120 yards for a quarterback to run in a game is absolutely incredible. I mean, that's not bad for a running back, but he's the quarterback. It's great. It's so so much fun to watch. And, oh, man, what a guy. The thing I love the best about his, what is it, 13 runs? 16. Technically 14, two were uh, kneel downs. Whoa, negative rushing yards. I can't have that. Oh, no, my points. My points. We can't have the negative rushing yards. Oh, okay, 14. Okay, oh. that sounds Oh, right. dang, he's even more elite. <laughs> <laughs> so of the 14 uh, runs, I remember two that I was like, man, I wish he didn't take that hit. So, like, last year it seemed like every time he ran, he took a terrible hit. Even just, like, getting a yard. To get an extra yard, he would drop his shoulder into a um, a DB, and it just never looked good. There was, and that'll be in the, the, the tweet that you were talking about, you know, where 
at the end of the run, he's getting two hands on his back and just being pushed out of bounds lightly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm huge on that. Like if that's all that RG three ever gives us is telling this boy to get to, to not take these (laughs) huge hits. Like he deserves a statue or something (laughs) with, uh, with that being said though, the one, there was one play where they ran Lamar off tackle right into like the heart of the defense. And I was like, why did you do that? That like you, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I was screaming at the TV. Like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) That's the franchise. Oh, and and one more thing for Lamar, the, the fumble, he's clearly not Cam Newton. He was, he was down there. I think, was he the one who ended up recovering it too? Yeah, 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 the one where Skura decided it was a great idea to snap the ball right into Mark Andrews' leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly the one. Yeah, I don't remember who jumped on. You said Lamar jumped on yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think he was the one. He like he saw either he he picked it up or Skura just fell down and got it. I think it was the latter. But he was getting in there. I don't I don't doubt that he did. What I love about Lamar is the guy the guy's a competitor. Like he'll he'll do that even though he, his rational side knows that that's an injury waiting to happen. You can't fault the guy for his effort. Yeah. I do love that we'll discuss, even though Lamar, I think, has matured greatly as a thrower, he's given the opportunity to make throws that he never would have been given last year, and he's doing much better with his footwork and using head and shoulder fakes to hold defenders and create lanes for himself. I mean, all those things are excellent. Even Terrell Suggs gave him props. He beats himself up even when he misses a few throws. As we talked about in the notes, like there were about three or four passes yesterday that was either a miscommunication between the receiver and himself or he just overthrew him a little bit. But, I mean, honestly, it's looking good. If he made those four extra completions, it had been just even a more outstanding day. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm I'm good with it, right? Because like we had Joe for the longest time, and everybody was like, "Oh, he's Joe Cool. He's on the sideline. He's not up. He's not down." That gets tiring once we start losing, and you know he shows no emotion. So I'll t- I'll take the opposite of that for a while. You know, I Me think too. I think what you've seen from, or at least what I've seen from Lamar this year is he's willing to put in the effort in the off season. Joe was Joe was only willing to do that once Lamar came to town. He doesn't want to get three. Three's not enough for him. He wants seven. He wants seven every time. I'm good with that. I'm you know it's great if we win twelve to nine, you know. But I'm good with winning thirty five to to seventeen or you know this week it was twenty three. The elite teams are gonna put up points. You know you're not gonna hold the Patriots to to ten points. So we're gonna have to score. So. If our quarterback is mad when they don't get seven and he works all week, you know, all of this week to get that stuff straightened out and next week he puts up 35, I think it's all worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that about him. I like the fact that he, he'll be like, yeah, an amazing game. He's like, yeah, but I missed that one throw. So, like, I'm pissed off about it. <laughs> I mean, he was talking about how he's still ticked off about losing the Chargers game and that every time he plays at home, he's like, he thinks about it and he's like, I'm ticked off about it. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, man. Be ticked off. Keep winning. Keep fighting for that uh, perfection. I love it. Yeah, I, I said to Alec on Sunday, you know, we used to have 
you know Ray Lewis, and he he could give you that speech that even as a fan would make you want to run through a wall for for the Ravens, <laughs> and you know you kind of feel like that's changing, and and Lamar's taking that role like he just speaks, everybody's attentive, they want to do the world for him. I I, I think it was um it was shown in Ingram right the new guy a veteran comes to the Ravens and he's praising Lamar for his leadership and how everybody's following this guy. I, you know, I've only heard great things. He, and I love, I love everything Lamar's doing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The guy is, he's matured quite a bit in just one year. I mean, if you guys can think back to the preseason last year, if you would think this, I didn't think that he would be doing as well as he is right now. I think he had the potential to be making plays like this, but I don't think he would have gotten to this level quite as quickly as he has. The coaching staff, hats off to them, have done wonders with this guy's mechanics, like Alex said earlier, and helping him to grow fast because the Ravens needed an offensive spark from someone, whether it was Joe or Lamar, to get us back into the postseason, back to being consistent postseason presence. And Lamar's stepped up. On that note, I think next week, some things happened in the NFL landscape over the week that made it look like the Ravens might have an easier path to the postseason. Roethlisberger, was found out today, is is out for the year. The Bengals look terrible, and we'll see tonight if, if the Browns are actually for real or not, <laughs> if they uh, can even beat the Jets without Sam Darnold. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure this is going to be a huge test for them. <laughs> but... The Ravens, though, I mean, the division couldn't have gone gotten to a better start for them, really. But to really see how well this team can go this year, they're going to get one of the biggest tests for the year this coming week in Kansas City, which is the last time Lamar has lost in the regular season. So we all remember last year, hard-fought game. Ravens lose a heartbreaker in overtime, in part because of an impossible throw by... Pat Mahomes. How are we feeling going into into this week? Uh so I'm I'm nervous. Even with how great Lamar has been this year throwing the ball, I think the blueprint from last year would go a long way against Casey again, which is, you know, ball control to the extreme. Run the ball. They they still don't have a run defense. They they tried to improve their secondary, but uh they still can't stop the run that well. So I think I think that's actually the way to go, keep Mahomes off the field. I'm nervous about it too. I don't think you got to be a fool to think you're going to just, you know, go and win against KC. No one just goes and wins. <laughs> it's it's going to be a hard fall game. They're never out of it. But I don't have to agree with Kfish here. I think the biggest thing we can do is keep that offense off the field as much as possible. Always keep it bang bang, score score. Don't let them get two scores on you. Make sure you always keep it close. And I think, although I want to do bar control, you got to be aggressive against a team like that too. So take your shots. Take it, Go for it on fourth down. All those things are important. I think we've got more tools this year to win. I'm a little more nervous about our secondary than I was going into it last year. But I'm thinking we have more tools to win. And you got a fierce competitor in Lamar. Unfortunately, one of the things I really want to see from the Ravens this week is to see an improved running game 
when it's not Lamar running the ball. Because we know with Lamar's athleticism and the mismatches created by him being the person running versus a design run play, it helps, greatly benefits him. Ingram, Gus the Bus, and Justice Hill don't have that same that same benefit. So we really got to focus on creating running lanes for those guys. Not that we haven't done it, but I don't think we've done it as consistently. The yards per carry you might be seeing are kind of inflated by a couple big plays, and otherwise it's not as much daylight as you like to see. Yeah, but I mean, you're going you're gonna to have that, right? I mean, Mark Ingram isn't really known as a burner. You know, he's... You get him 15, 20 carries, and the last five or six, he's going to look like he's plowing over everybody because they're just dead tired. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, the the last couple runs were were his best runs of the day, I think, against the Cardinals. But that's, that's how it's going to be against everybody, I think. I mean, I don't think the normal game is a Mark Ingram 50-yarder to start the game. Absolutely. I just think... I haven't seen enough running lanes. I, def- I just want to say that I improve a little bit for the running backs. Yeah. Totally agree with that. And as both of you alluded to, we got to see more than five combined total touches for the Gus Bus and Justice Hill. Sure, Mark Ingram is definitely the number one, and we all know what Lamar can do with the ball in his hands. But I was really surprised to see how few touches those guys got against Arizona. I thought the game plan for the Ravens going into the season was to give Edwards and Hill a decent amount of carries to to keep Engram's legs fresh, you know, as as a 30-year-old running back and to not risk Lamar to injury on too many plays. Game plan was different against Arizona for whatever reason, we may never know, but I agree with what you say, Kfish, that I think the ground and pound strategy is would be a good one for the Ravens to to at least start with against Kansas City. And then if the need arises, they know they can hit they have the opportunity to hit Hollywood Brown on a deep route or Mark Andrews across the middle of the field or someone else if if those guys are covered by the defense, you know, they can be the disguise. But you gotta get these other two running backs involved because that's just going to keep Engram fresher. It's going to allow you to do set up the pass. I think they got to, they got to get back to some of what they were doing last year while still keeping pace with a fast track offense. Like Alec mentioned, speaking about getting, you know, Gus and justice more involved, a handful of the, the times we went five wide, the justice was out, you know, on one side by himself or, um, I saw, uh, Edwards even lined up outside and you know they they ended up not getting the ball for those plays but I I think it's interesting that you know we were we're willing to put one Gus Edwards out there when he hasn't really been known as a pass catching back and two you know even when we go five wide we're, we have a running back in there we're confident enough in putting those guys out there those young guys I think the the Ravens tried to get them involved. I, I don't think it was a necessarily the game plan that, that shied away from getting them the ball. I think there was just better opportunities to be had. So going back on our predictions for last week, Peter was the closest with the score. He predicted 24-13. to 13. However, all of our bold predictions were horrid. <laughs> I said that the Ravens would bat down six passes. I didn't see a, a single one. 
Ravens would have Ingram run it twice for touchdown by Chris, who he then elevated the three because he didn't think it was bold enough. Uh, too bold. It <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> and as far as the Ravens picking off the young quarterback, that didn't really happen too. Kyler Murray looked pretty good, all in all. So none of those bold predictions panned out, but I think we should go ahead and try to make our predictions for this Ravens-KC game. What's I think a lot of the NFL is looking to pop some popcorn and watch. A lot of the analysts are talking about it. It's going to be the big game next week. Kfish, you're the guest. You go first. Oh, man, I'm on the spot. Uh, bold prediction. Well, for the score, I, I, I'm going to go with my team. I'm going to go 42 Raven, 38 KC. Lamar with a touchdown to, to win the game. For bold prediction... I think Gus Edwards, 15 carries. Is that is that bold enough? That's bold enough, I think. I mean, he only had three <laughs> last week. He had 17 week one, but yeah, considering that this game does have a big potential to be an aerial assault, I'll, I'll say that's a bold prediction. I agree with that. So my thought my thought process is, one, like you said, getting Gus involved more, and, and two, I, I think they're going to have to go, you know, ball control and uh, – Ingram's a little dinged up, and and Gus is a capable back, so I, I think it's I think it's within the realm of possibilities. Well, I'm pretty close on that scoring prediction, K Fish. I'm going 38-35 Ravens, and I imagine it's going to be the situation where we pull ahead rather than stick out the lead. I don't know if I'm ever going to bet against the Ravens this year. Just being honest, looking at their schedule, I think I'll always choose them to win because I want to be an optimist about it in my predictions. <laughs> And I think they're just that good of a team. But, yeah, I think I'm always going to end up picking the Ravens to win. But showing how close it's going to be <laughs> will be my <laughs> determination of how I think the game is uh, from a risk perspective. From a bold prediction perspective, I'm going to go ahead and say we deploy our secret weapon, Hayden Hurst. And he has plus or minus two receptions off from Mandrews. Yeah, I was thinking about going real, real bold and predicting a uh, Hayden Hurst uh, touchdown explosion, but uh, then I came back to reality. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it could happen if all eyes are on Andrews and Brown. All right, so Native Nancy coming through. <laughs> hey, man. No, it's cool, man. It's honestly cool because it, it's a hard pick. It's hard to say Ravens. It is a hard pick, and I will say this. With these type of games, like I said, I know there's probably some people out there who, who are get annoyed with my you know quote-unquote realistic looking at these games, unbiased opinions as I like to think of them. But honestly, if I'm looking at this game unbiasedly, a game that, you know, I think these, both these teams are, are really close in talent, but I think there's two things where I hate to say it. I have to give the edge to the Chiefs. Number one is obvious, home field advantage. Number two, I also just feel like, you know, despite the fact that it, as dominant as the Chiefs were, it's easy to forget that they are also a young team. But I just think the fact that they have that additional year of being the team that the Ravens don't have yet gives them the slight edge. And I will also admit, if this game was in Baltimore, I think I would pick the Ravens to win 30-27 to since it's in KFC. Since it's in KC, not KFC. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm doing. Can I leave that in? I feel like I need to leave that in. You can leave that in. <laughs> I'm doing the opposite. I say Chiefs win 30-27 in overtime. I really hope that either Alec or Kayfish's timeline is the correct timeline. But I just the lack of discipline last yesterday just objectively leaves me a bit nervous going into this game. For bold prediction. I am going to pick defense since both you picked the offense. I'll say that despite the fact that the Ravens lose, it's not because of a lack of pass rush that gets to Pat Mahomes five times. Nice. He uh, tries to hold on to the ball sometimes. He's he's bound to get him in trouble. Peter, all those points you made are incredibly uh, valid, and I feel identical. It's going to be really interesting this rivalry, we talked about it before the season started. I think this is a rivalry going forward, and it's going to be incredibly interesting. We'll see who perseveres, who fights it out the most. I'm a little disappointed that we're not playing them at full strength with Tyreek Hill, but since we don't have Jimmy, I'll allow it. Feels like a an eye for an eye. The best thing about Sunday's game is win or lose for the Ravens. We get to learn immensely more about where this team is as opposed to these previous two games. And I will say oh, this. Yeah. If we only have one shot to beat them, I'll save it for the postseason. <laughs> you know, if you had like a there a, you go. Get, get out of jail free card. If we had to get out of jail free card, I'd save it for the postseason. I gotta bring this up. You know, it's in our notes about uh other things around the league. The Chiefs picked up Senate. Are they trying to get some of our secrets? I think so. I call collusion. <laughs> they probably had to outbid I was talking to someone else about how they're uh they're clearly reading from the Belichick book of assholery. It feels terrible that that they would do something like that. Very feels very patriot y. I think they just outbid the Jets for Senate. I think that's all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we didn't talk about uh previous Ravens since uh the Jets do have a ton, but the uh, the Cardinals also do, I think, have above average amount of, of Ravens with uh, four. So so obviously Suggs, Williams, and, and Shipley. Crabtree was signed That's before true. week four. I, I keep forgetting that A, Crabtree was signed by the Cardinals, and B, that Crabtree was a Raven. <laughs> that's fair that's fair yeah no they tried uh tried to run a slant for a touchdown against us with crabtree and he did not catch it oh man i'm gonna throw it throw a dig at uh at our member of the pod who is being uh subbed for today and rem- throw out a reminder that he was pretty high on a on a crabtree signing last year <laughs> <laughs> i hope oh, you're man, a great I- chris <laughs> I'll uh I'll defend his honor. Like I just I, I don't know. We we search for wide receivers all over the place. So like he roasted us once for three touchdowns. So we're like, oh man, he scored three on us. Maybe he can do that some some games for us. Now nah, that is fair. Actually, yeah, Crabtree he did despite his drops. He he found a niche in Oakland. He was actually more more consistent than than uh, Amari Cooper was. But I don't know if that's really saying much. But yeah, just. All, all his, uh, his negative parts of his game, unfortunately, came out last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it feels bad. It kind of feels like we we kill wide re- like veteran wide receivers' careers. You know, I really thought he wasn't even going to be signed, and and you could argue that yeah, he got signed, but who cares? 
I mean, his career is almost over. I think we killed Macklin's career. Good for John Brown for getting another contract and, and thriving still. We're kind of like the black hole for wide receivers. Did you guys see? Uh, I, I'm I'm sorry, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but uh, they put uh Brashard Perryman's 27 game stats in the tweet somewhere around 500 yards and three touchdowns, not many catches. And then they put Hollywood Browns right under it. And he's sitting at like two something with his two <laughs> touchdowns. I did see that. And actually it was getting to my point is that I was going to bring up that tweet. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny that, that you said that I was going to bring up that tweet. Oh, I don't have it in front of me either, but I did some math and Hollywood is projected right now to get just under 1400 yards with 1398 at his current rate, and 72 catches, which is just totally bonkers for a, a rookie wide receiver. We'll probably regress, <laughs> but worth mentioning nonetheless. Like, what a great way to start. And on that same note, if Mark Andrews continues his pace, he's going to get like 1,700 receiving yards for a tight end. So I think I think regression is going to happen for both those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they're at the end of the year, if they're both sitting like near 1,000, you know, plus or minus a hundred. I'm going to be thrilled. Like I, that offense is, is astronomically better than anything we've had recently. Yeah. Mandrews is looking at 1300 yards with 96 catches. If he keeps up his pace, which is a blockbuster year for a tight end. Speaking of, of pacing the Ravens based on the first two games, did you see the, the numbers for Lamar, if he you know, <laughs> kept up his pace. So we're looking at 56 touchdowns, which ah, maybe that's doable. I mean, Mahomes did it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to announce Lamar as the next Mahomes yet. It's been two games. <laughs> but also, like, he'd be sitting at close to uh, over 1,000 rush yards and over 4,000 passing yards. And, uh, you know, that's... It might not be an MP- MVP season, but it'll be pretty damn close if if he's somewhere around there. Oh, guys, I've been doing my math wrong. I've been multiplying by six, not eight. <laughs> it's going to be way better. <laughs> it's gonna be that's, way what I, better. that's what I told you. Like, like Andrews is on pace for like 1,700 receiving yards. <laughs> yeah, my bad. My bad. I realized it. I was like, wait, I, I, I had my, uh, in my Excel spreadsheet a, a six instead of an eight. My bad. <laughs> you should feel shame. That, that feels really bad for the bad math. Man, I want to talk about bad math. We were at Chris's uh, wedding, and beforehand we were playing this game, and it was me versus Chris, okay? And, you know, I'm pretty good at math. I've done math for a while. But <laughs> we had to do this. We, we were both, like, going to die in this little mini game, and we, what we had to do was answer as many math questions as possible. And, <laughs> dude, he roasted me. I got, like, 18 of them, and he got, like, damn near 30. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so dumb. I was validated slightly, though, in that I was commenting how horrible the font was when I was trying to do it. I was like, oh, man, it was like really hard to read. And then when another guy got that same minigame, he was like, yeah, this font does suck. <laughs> but <laughs> but full kudos to Chris. He's a massive savant. <laughs> Step your game up. That's mm. So uh, I, I don't know how much longer you guys wanted to go, but uh, I was looking at the over-under for the Ravens game. What, uh, what do you guys think? Think think it's sitting around. Peter, you were at thirty twenty seven, so that's fifty seven. And yeah. then me and 
Alec blew that number out of the out of the park. I wouldn't be so shocked if it's around sixty. So it opened at fifty one and a half and skyrocketed to fifty five already. Ooh, fifty five was actually going to be what I was going to say first. Oh my bad, Alec. I didn't let you guess, but it's fine. He's bad with math. He would have picked like forty. Thirty <laughs> two. <laughs> oh wait, guys! I thought you said who the winning score was going to be. I've been canceled. <laughs> and then uh, also for if you were following at home. The Browns are currently winning in a field goal fest, six to zero. Man, I guess one other thing outside the NFL is uh, Breeze got knocked out. He's out for like looking like six weeks. Get to see the Teddy Bridgewater show. A lot of people are selling their fancy assets. I don't know if I'd go that far so so quickly. Do you th- think it'll be the Teddy Bridgewater show? I mean, I don't think it's going to be a show. I think it'll be pretty pretty sad, but I think it's going to be him. You don't think there's a small chance that Taysom Hill gets to gets to play more? Oh, that's an interesting take. I haven't really thought about that. I mean, to be honest, I think you start Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's why you signed him. And if it goes really poorly the first game, maybe you try to go the second game, changing it up to Taysom, Taysom Hill. Yeah, I can see Hill taking over. Um it's also only one game, and Bridgewater didn't do awful. He just didn't do particularly well either. I guess you'll see how he does on his home turf, you know, against a not as good defense as the Rams. Maybe he's got a shot. Well, yeah, I mean, lucky enough for them, their their uh, division is garbage. Like, if you're telling me that the best team in that division that they're going to have to play, play is the Falcons, who could barely beat the hobbled Eagles last night. They might still have a chance at the division. Yeah, I mean, the NFC South has not looked terribly great out of the gate. Feeling really smart in my fantasy team by hitching my bandwagon to Mike Evans and O.J. Howard. That's looking like a you know a great move. <laughs> yeah, no one knows uh. what's going on there. I mean, well, it's Jameis Winston. I mean, I, we kind of know. A lot of people want him to be better than he is, but he just he's not that great. <laughs> yeah, but like last year they... Like ever, whenever he came back, they like led the the league in like air yards or or like passing yards, something crazy, just because they were always behind and like they don't have a NFL running back on their roster. So like you thought that would translate to Godwin and Evans catching more, and I too ha- have shares of Evans, and it has not been good. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I never. Got the opportunity to bite on OJ Howard because he was going so high. And I kind of went for Mandrews or Waller everywhere. Seems like a wise play so far. <laughs> Some would say that was the elite play over Howard. <laughs> Speaking of elite, man, Joe Flacco yesterday was in was in total Flacco form. Man, he had his he had his Flacco moment where he got picked off with a hard pass at the goal line and then followed it up with an elite seemingly game winning throw only for the bears to somehow find a kicker and win that game. Yeah, I was really hoping that they were going to have to bring in uh the uh Carly Lloyd to try out for kicking. So, I'm kind of disappointed that they hit that long field goal. I mean, the Jets are still open, right? Cuz they got rid of Vedvik. They brought in the backup from the Rams who played like a handful of games last year. And I only know his name, which is Ficken. Uh, because of fantasy football, but he uh he he kicked some field goals. He was okay, so maybe they 
maybe they found their kicker. It only took like four shots. Well, before we close it out, we gotta we gotta share everyone with you know the priceless Lamar Jackson rookie card that they all need to get their hands on. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, you're gonna make the price go up. <laughs> so this there's only three left. We have to buy them all. So there's really we <laughs> could sell them to our listeners. Exactly. So this really has nothing, no segue to anything. But I was reading some other article this morning, and it linked to. No, actually, you know what it was? I think it was ESPN had like some random headline where they were just like, Lamar Jackson swag going up on eBay after crazy start. And it had like these different items, you know, which are like Lamar Jackson jerseys, signed helmets or whatever, you know, all pretty normal stuff. And then there's this trading card of Lamar Jackson with a full body shot. And then... (laughs) In the background of the trading card, kind of faded, of all players, is Trent Dilfer, just kind of hanging out there. <laughs> and it's a very bizarre thing to, to witness. So we'll probably include it in the show notes. People can get a good laugh out of it and maybe buy one if you want Want one of the only three left in stock. I will say, if you want to spend that money on that card, you could also consider spending money on the Ravens Recap Patreon. Guys, I'm telling you, you got to just follow my DraftKings advice. I posted my card for this week, betting on Lamar Jackson, Mandrews, and Hollywood Brown. And guess what? I doubled my money. So five bucks became 10. I'm basically rich. Uh, <laughs> so so with you talking about uh, DraftKings uh, and, and you know kind of what we just talked about seconds ago, uh, Godwin is now priced over Evans. Yeah, I saw that. The true number one. <laughs> so when does coverage start sh- start shading over to Godwin so that Evans can roast the number two like cornerback? Because I'll I'll wait for that. I don't know if it does. Defenses are smart about that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, man, highly recommend the Ravens Patreon. It's a good place to be. And again, if you want to share the podcast, we'd love it. Give us a review, star rating in your podcast app of choice really helps out the show and we're hoping for another big win next week against kc road game be huge huge victory for the ravens we'll make the rest of the nfl believe in us if that happens for sure yes sir trust not bad for a running back